What did the phone give his girlfriend on Valentine's Day? He gave her a ring! <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Starting Sustainability episode 65 and today we're going to talk about sustainable relationships. Ooh. I'm your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. You may have noticed I'm trying out some new music. Let me know your feedback. Let me know if you like it or if I should go back to the old one. I might play around with different styles of music for the next few episodes going through. Just to kind of change it up, play with it, have some fun. It's time to catch up. What has been going on? Speaking of Valentine's Day from the joke at the beginning of the episode, I'm planning to take my husband skiing for Valentine's Day. It's also his birthday. Yeah, he's a Valentine's Day baby and he has never been skiing. It's not his fault though. He grew up in Texas and then we moved to Tampa, Florida where <laughs> there's not really a whole lot of snowfall there either. And yes, we have been in Indiana for three years at this point, but I was kind of pregnant for most of the time. <laughs> and when I wasn't pregnant, he was traveling for work. So now we finally get to go skiing and I'm really excited. So that is our sustainable Valentine's Day celebration. Instead of gifts, we're gonna do a little trip together and make some memories. I forgot to mention last week during my catch-up session that I did add in Ethic, the web browser extension, and it is really cool. Every time I search for something in Google, I either get a green leaf, meaning that it is sustainable and I feel good about using the business, or I get a green leaf with a little red circle and a slash through it. You know that symbol for the no smoking where it's got the circle and the slash. And then I know that that is not sustainable and I keep searching until I find a company that is, and then I feel good again. Big shout out to Austin Sachs for putting in all of the effort in creating Ethic and sharing that with us. I have enjoyed it very much. Another thing I wanted to ask Sustainer Nation was if anyone has seen or heard about the little libraries. You might have seen them on social media. It'll be something like a little cupboard on the corner containing children's books or children's toys at the beach. It's not just books, but it'll be a little book library or a beach toy library. And I recently saw a video for a seed library to help people grow gardens. And I thought, that's really cool. <clears throat> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you still need a New Year's resolution, check this out. And maybe you can help create a little library in your town or local area, or at least donate and contribute some items to the different libraries around town. Last week, I informed you of my composting troubles. <laughs> and now I'm going to retitle that to a composting fail completely. I opened up the five gallon buckets of compost that have basically been sitting in my garage for four weeks untouched because I don't know what to do with them. And they were completely covered in mold, smelled bad, and the compostable bag that holds all the compost, it was doing what it was designed to do breaking down. So when I went to lift it, there were 5,000 little tiny holes all in the bag and it just busted open. And this gross brown sludge liquid stuff just spewed everywhere. <laughs> I really don't have very many options left at this point on what to do. I know I can still start my own backyard compost, but Currently my backyard is covered in four inches of snow. So to get the two thirds brown material, which would be leaves and grass clippings and stuff is really not obtainable right now. 
I did call the compost facility again <laughs> just to see what else I could possibly do. And they did share some good news that starting in March, they are going to be open on Saturdays from 8 to noon. And that's going to be for six months, March to September. For now, I ended up just throwing my compost efforts into the garbage just to get the smell and slime and mold out of my garage. However, it is the beginning of February now, and that means in four weeks, I can start composting again and will have an actual place to take the compost. Yay, raw. So the dream is not dead. <laughs> I can still make this happen. I just have to delay it a little bit longer. The other letdown that I had this week was, remember back last week, episode 64, we learned about bottle bricking? So I saved all of the non-recyclable plastics like candy wrappers and chip bags, etc. Saved them all up and then went to find a plastic bottle to put them in and we don't have any in our house. We do have plastic water bottles, but those are too flimsy. It has to be the thicker, tougher soda pop bottles and we don't drink soda. <laughs> Now I have another collection of thin flimsy plastics and I'm not sure what to do with it. But there is a store nearby that will take the hard to recycle plastics like the Walmart sacks. So my plan is to just run it to that store until I figure out how to get a soda pop bottle without having to buy one just to stuff it with plastic. Take note. These are two great examples of where being sustainable is hard. You have to put in a lot of effort, a lot of planning and organization just to be sustainable. And this is where people get frustrated and give up. And I don't blame them. It does get extremely irritating, constantly failing at being sustainable. However, I do want you to continue to look at the bright side. Choose to see the glass of milk half full, shall we say. That's pretty... <laughs> Pretty bad analogy, but you get what I mean. Yesterday, I put in a darn good effort at making my own bread. I had never done that. I know a lot of people did that, especially during quarantine because there was no bread on the shelves. So then everybody started making bread at home. I, however, had just had a newborn and was really tired all the time and did not feel like putting in the effort to bake bread. <laughs> I just settled for eating crackers <laughs> instead, of, instead of bread slices, which is fine. Anyways. So I made it last night and I did the wrong amount of yeast at the wrong temperature and the recipe called for two nine by five loaf pans and I only had one. So one went on a loaf pan, the other one went on a baking sheet. But in the end, the bread did not rise to its full potential. That's okay because it was still somewhat fluffy. It just wasn't as fluffy as it should have been. It was dense, but it was still 100% without a doubt delicious. And I ate half the loaf all by myself. <laughs> and I had to start pacing myself out. It's very, very good. So continue to focus on your small little victories. And don't worry about all of the uphill battles. Speaking of battles, if you've been following along for more than three or four episodes, you will know that in my marriage, I am much more in favor of sustainability than my spouse is. <laughs> That's one of the uphill battles. And I know I am not the only person in this boat who is more passionate about something than their partner is. That is why I decided to put together a sustainable relationships Valentine's edition of how to be sustainable and how to get your partner on board. There are many different ways to tackle this subject, but basically I divided it into two main areas. The first one is basically living with another person, whether it is your spouse or your parents or roommate. If you're just living with another person, how to 
slowly, or at least these are tips. I can't even guarantee that they're going to be successful because look where I'm standing, but we're just going to keep trying and some of it will work and some of it won't, but hopefully more of it works than the rest. And then the second half of today's episode is going to be sustainable relationships as in once you are in a committed relationship, how do you keep that sustainable? Not necessarily saving the earth, but just how do you keep the relationship long-term, kind of like the do's and the don'ts and tips for a married lifestyle. As a preface, I want to give credit where credit is due, and a lot of this information came from Get Married Johansson from the International Open Academy, the class that I took a while back. And this is basically how to be sustainable when you live with others. Because when you live by yourself, it's very easy to do things a sustainable way. No one is there to tell you that the compost smells, or your vegan cooking is weird, or all of your soap bars are taken over the shower. (laughs) You can basically do whatever it is that you want to do, and it's a wonderful privilege. However, when you live with somebody, like your parents, roommate, or spouse, it can get pretty tricky. Step one is to focus on communication. As is true with all relationships in regards to all topics, (laughs) communication is key. It's not necessarily so much about how much they should change, but how much it matters to you. So start with a simple conversation. They may start doing more sustainable actions because they know it will make you happy. They may not care the same way you do, so they may brush it off too. If they do join in and do things wrong, I say that with air quotes, like recycling the wrong items, Don't criticize them. Don't get on their back. Don't get on their case. Just thank them for helping you. They are trying and learning too. Remember at one point in time, you were trying and learning this too and you were getting frustrated as well. Just continue to do things your own way and basically let that speak for itself. It is also very helpful to find something that appeals to your partner. If your partner is a foodie, try a new local restaurant. One that has a focus on plant-based meals, local foods, or sustainable takeout containers. If your partner enjoys saving money, then phrases like, we won't have to buy this item ever again, and we will save so much money, (laughs) will really get their ears to perk up. And suddenly, cloth napkins, reusable coffee filter, safety razors all have a much nicer sound to them. Remember, slow and steady wins the race. Talk with your partner and let them know you would like to start being more sustainable, and then implement small little changes and they must be simple and convenient for them to get on board. If it is expensive or makes life a whole lot more challenging, then there definitely will be resistance. And that was my mistake. (laughs) Cloth diapers were very costly up front, and they were a ton of work to wash and stuff every week. I basically had to do all for over a year because my husband wasn't comfortable with them. He does have the hang of it now, so don't get that wrong. (laughs) He's quite a trooper, but it was a learning process for the both of us. On the flip side, when I showed my husband all of the homemade drawstring cloth gift bags that I wanted him to use for Christmas, he got very excited because he hates, all capitalized letters, hates wrapping presents. And now you can just put the gift straight into a gift bag and pull the string. And that he loved because it was simple and made his life easier. The living together dynamic is very different with a spouse versus a roommate. And if you have a roommate who's on the opposite end of the sustainability spectrum, my advice to you is to each do your own thing when you're running a household, when you're living together. When there's a shared space like the kitchen, you can try dividing it in half. But again, the main thing is don't tell the others what to do because they will instinctively dig their heels into the ground and hold their place. 
Don't patrol them. Don't lecture them. That's, <laughs> that is the quickest way to get them turned off and to not listen at all. Aim for inspiring them and encouraging them. Invite them to come along with you to farmer's markets or to the bulk store and simply show them how you do things and that's going to help spark a conversation. If you live with your parents, it can be a bit trickier because they usually have a say in where you shop and what is purchased. <laughs> Try an alternative method that will still implement some sustainable actions. Offer to do the shopping, and then you can pick items that come in a sustainable package or go to the bulk section if it's available for you. Ask if you can start a family garden, and if gardening seems overwhelming, then let's just start with something small like a tomato plant or a pepper plant or just one potted plant in the household. <laughs> Start with that. Work your way up from there. You can also ask to cook dinner a couple nights a week, and then when you cook the meal, you can focus on a plant-based, vegetarian, or if you're bold enough, vegan meal option. Do try to pick something that your family will enjoy, because if they don't like it, if it's too weird and exotic for them and they're not adventurous eaters, they're not going to let you cook dinner again. So you got to start small and work your way up. Another idea is that the next time there is a movie night, you can suggest watching a documentary together. And that way everybody is learning together and is on the same page. Documentaries are great because they will also help inspire and motivate everyone to get started. Knowledge is power. Sustainability is not a chore that you and your family have to do. It should be something fun that you enjoy doing and feel good about. If you try all of these ideas and it still doesn't work for your parents, roommate, or spouse, you must just recognize that not everyone will have the same views as you or rank sustainability high on the things to care about list in their world. And that's okay. Don't get caught up in that. People can have their own beliefs and opinions. <laughs> just look at every political view on Facebook. Keep doing the sustainable actions you can. And just by using reusable grocery bags at the store, others whom you've never even met will see and be influenced. Same with reusable water bottles. I even used my reusable produce bags at the grocery store and a lady came up to me and asked about them and I explained what they were and how much I loved them because they were drawstring and so easy to put fruit and veg in and take out. No more messing with the twisty ties or tying them in knots and ripping the bag open when you get home. And she was very excited about it and I, I wasn't able to follow up because I didn't know her, but I hope that she went and got some too. People also know I will wrap gifts in cloth or reusable gift bags. And then when they give me a present, they are so proud that they did the same thing for me. And of course, I let them know how happy that makes me. I have received gifts in reused paper bags, wrapped in newspaper, and one was even wrapped in a blanket from my own parents. And I've never had conversations with any of these people about how to be sustainable or how to wrap a gift sustainably. They just mimicked my actions. And of course, I got very excited as a reaction and it makes them happy. And now they want to keep doing it again and again. Just keep living your sustainable life. Do things your way. Don't judge others. Remember, everybody's on a sustainable journey at their own pace, but eventually you will be a small influencer and others will catch on. Let's take a quick time out to look back about 16 some minutes ago, right when you started listening to this podcast, when you saw the title for this episode, Sustainable Relationships, what did you think it was going to be about? Well, if you're wanting love advice, I don't want to disappoint. We're going to do a sharp turn, and I'm going to give some advice for partner slash marital relationships and how to make this long-term and sustainable. Obviously, don't cheat, lie, hit, or anything else that would make it an unhealthy relationship. If you are in a totally healthy relationship, here are tips on how to keep it that way. 
obviously love one another, be kind to each other, be patient, etc. These are in addition to those. This is my list that works for me, that I have slowly put together over decades of <laughs> good and bad relationships. <laughs> and I will be right and or wrong on some of these, and I'm not telling you that you must do these. I'm just giving advice, and you can either take it or leave it. But this is my advice from my own personal real-world experience. Tip number one. It's love language. And you have to change your language from I have to go home to my spouse to I get to go home to my spouse. This will get you in the right mindset of being excited to go home at the end of every day instead of dreading it. Number two. Never, ever hang out with somebody of the opposite sex one-on-one, even if you're just friends, even if it's just for coffee, even if it's the minister. It puts doubt in your partner's mind, and that's not fair to them. If you absolutely must meet with that person, always let your partner know, keep it public, and bring a buffer person. Yes, you need a third wheel. Number three, time with each other. There is a big difference between quality time and quantity time. Sitting beside each other on a couch for three hours watching a TV show while one person is on their phone is not quality. That is quantity. If you are super busy with work, kids, etc., then you're going to have to schedule it in. It doesn't always have to be a date night. We quickly found out that date nights did not work for us. We'd go to bed at 8 p.m. throughout the week, and it was really hard to stay up late on the weekends. Plus, we had to pay for the day and for babysitter, so we found date afternoons during nap time worked so much better for us. It might only be a one- or two-hour date, but we did it. We played a board game, watched a movie, we'd plan our next vacation, or we'd go fishing in the backyard. Number four, therapy doesn't mean things are bad. Therapy is a great way to invest into your relationship. Do it once a month, once every three months. Think of it as a checkup session. To basically fix any small things before they become big. Some churches will require marriage counseling before they allow you to get married, so it's basically a continuation of that. You want to continue to get to know every little thing about your partner and address anything that could potentially become a big problem later on. Address it now while it's small. Now, a lot of these therapy sessions are not covered by insurance. However, I have discovered the EAP, Employee Assistance Program, many, many workplaces offer this, and it will usually cover three sessions per year for free. So if you only get to go every four months, that's fine. But at least you're going and you're still checking up on your relationship and continuing to invest in your relationship. Number five, a lot of you might disagree with me on this one but it has been extremely beneficial for us. Be open and honest about your finances. This can be quite uncomfortable and it's gonna stir up a whole lot of emotions. We completed the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University and I strongly, strongly recommend to also get a financial advisor because this is going to settle so many disputes on what to do with your money. Number six, religion. My God, your God, faith, destiny or spiritualness, whatever you believe in. And if you don't believe in a religion, that's where the faith, destiny, spiritualist comes in. But you've got to incorporate that into your marriage, into your relationship somehow. You don't have to be diehard. (laughs) You just got to get it in there because it's really nice to have an alternative power to look to, to pray to during times of stress and worry or even celebration. Number seven, find hobbies to bond over. 
Here's a really good way to slowly get them on board with sustainability. You can build a birdhouse together, garden, take a foraging class together, do a beach cleanup or a trail cleanup at your local hiking area. Doing hobbies together doesn't always have to be sustainability focused. You can of course do other things like bowling, volleyball, critique movies on Netflix, go wine tasting or to an antique car show, just something. Get out of the house and find something to bond together over. Number eight, when you're mad or upset with your partner, it is extremely easy to dwell on all of the things that you do not like about that person. You know what I'm talking about? Like they did one small thing. They ate the last ice cream bar in the freezer that you'd been thinking about all day long. And you got home, that box was empty in the freezer without the ice cream bar in it. And all of a sudden, every single fight from the last three years has popped up in your head. (laughs) And it's very, very easy to bite your partner's head off over ice cream that they had no clue that you had been thinking about all day long. My tip for you is during that time, You need to calm your emotions down and get those angry, negative thoughts out of your head. And my tip for that is you sit down and you make a list of all the things that you like or love about your partner. And it's going to be tough because right now you're very angry at them. So you might have to start off the list with, they went to work and they brought home a paycheck and they drove themselves to work and I didn't have to do it. But it gets the ball rolling and you start coming up with more and more things that you do like and appreciate about them. Number nine, say please and thank you. I know we're taking a trip back to kindergarten. It is super simplistic concept, but most adults forget about it. And I see them exceedingly forgetting about it with their partners. We always want to use words that show gratitude and appreciation, especially for all the little things. Because when you don't get a please and you don't get a thank you, You don't want to do that anymore. And number 10, this is the last one. Look at the five love languages. This is a book written by Gary Chapman. If you don't know what that is, there are five languages of love. And those languages are words of affirmation. That's like, attaboy, way to go. I'm proud of you. You did great. (laughs) Quality time together. Acts of service, like going grocery shopping shoveling the snow out of the driveway, changing two or three poopy diapers in a row without passing the kid off to me. (laughs) You get my point. Gifts is number four and touch number five. Now touch doesn't always have to be like, you know, horny little teenagers touching. It can just be holding hands and cuddling, sitting beside each other on the couch, a hug, (laughs) or just a quick kiss before good night. So once you read the book and you get a really good understanding of all five of these love languages, there's a test that you can take to figure out what your love language is and what your spouse's love language is. Now you can pay for the test that comes with the book, or you can do like me and get the book from the library. <laughs> you can also do an audiobook, and there are hundreds of free quizzes and tests online that you can take and find out what your love languages are. And once you have that knowledge of what your own love language is and what your partner's love language is, then you need to act upon that knowledge and start showing love in the ways that will make your partner happy. That's all of them. That's my list from your not love expert, (laughs) Kaylin Chenoweth. (laughs) It took me a long time to put that list together. It took me many, many years of failed and struggled relationships to compile that list and figure out how to make a 
long-standing, sustainable relationship work. Hopefully you have found that useful, if not all of them, at least one or two of them, that of course you can incorporate into your relationship. Okay, I will now put my sustainability hat back on. Not that I'm an expert there either, but that's where I'm going to transition back to since that's why you initially started listening to this podcast because you want to learn about earth-based sustainability, not relationship-based sustainability. Before I go, I wanted to try something new. I want to leave you with a provoking thought of the day because I read this and it really made me stop on my tracks. So I want to share it with you. Here it is. Only in America do we cut down trees and then use the paper to make a sign that says, save the trees. Mm Mm-hmm. It's pretty right on the money, isn't it? Here's another thought. You can live a life where you get everything you need for free. So come back next week for episode 66, where I interview Jennifer Lansdowne about the Buy Nothing Project and learn how. Until then, continue to stay sustainable. Have a good one. Bye.